Welcome to the Recovering Academic Podcast. I'm Amanda, and I'm at the beginning of my journey outside of academia through starting my own scientific editorial service. I'm Ian, and I'm in the process of leaving academia, aiming for a career in science communication or editing. And I'm Dr. PMS. I've left academia about one year ago to work as a biotech salesperson, and I'm still in recovery. We're in various phases of transitioning out of academia, and we'll share insights, advice, and problems we encounter at each stage. All right. Hello, and welcome to the Recovering Academic Podcast, Episode 7. Um, I'm Ian, and I'm here with Amanda and Clady, and this week we're going to talk a little bit following on from Episode 6 about spending money and investing in yourself and talk about taking risks, which certainly spending money on some things could be considered. Like, how do you know when an investment is going to work out? Like paying to go to that conference or um, taking that class and spending lots of money to do that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And there's also the psychological aspect of it where I just, like change is hard and it feels risky to me sometimes. And it feels like you're stepping out like, I mean, use your, choose your own metaphor here. Yes. Like, it feels like an unmooring from shore, like you're out in the rough seas all of a sudden, and you don't know where the next harbor is. It's getting launched into space, maybe a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, whatever you want to use. Like, it's, it feels, and the thing is, like, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of this is perception, too, but. No, um, I agree. It's just. No, no, I agree. Like, if, if feels uncertain you're stepping right. you're definitely stepping out of your comfort zone yeah because you spend like uh, a lot of time in your comfort zone and in academia where you kind of know everybody you kind of know what you're doing and then suddenly you decide that this is not for you and and then you don't really know at least for me I didn't really know what I was going to do and where I was going to go. So it was hard and and it's terrifying. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And, and you're also, I think there's something else to this too, where you're essentially leaving one community for another one, but you don't have quite that community built up yet in a lot of cases, right? Yes. Like in that new profession, career path. Like, I mean, you'll get there over time. Yes. I have no doubt. Mm-hmm. But it's also hard to step away from the people, right? That you know and are familiar with, and yes, yes, you know, yes, you know, yes. and the ha- and like just the professional habits too. I guess um, the big one that I keep that keeps seems to be coming up is, you know, academics are terrible about time management and getting back to people by email, and which is all true. But I think there are actually, I think there are genuinely actual professional reasons for that, like. In much of the private sector, there's this expectation that timely responses are the most important. In academia, I think there's a thing of considered thoughtful responses are more important. Um, And then there's also just, you know, academics are under a lot of pressure and are busier and just, you know, it goes things like email takes less priority or getting back to people takes less priority. Well, I also think that in academia, you have much more of a hierarchy so yes. like oh my god you yes. are a professor and a postdoc emails you from say outside your group if you get back to him within the next week that's fine but like if 
Professor Big Shot emails you and you are, say, an assistant professor, well, then timeliness all of a sudden becomes very, very important. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, exactly. Or even if it's just to say, got your message, I'll email you back later. Like, right. But, yeah, and I guess this is another thing. like Because academia, I mean, I, academia like is still structured like, you know, the German system in the 19th yes. century, and it's almost mm -hmm. feudal. And <laughs> stepping out into any other kind of system feels very, it, it feels very unsafe and very uncertain. Like, I I mean, I don't want to push it too far that, you know, postdocs and grad students are akin to serfs in the feudal system, but Boy, yeah. uh, there definitely is that very rigid hierarchy with vast differences in you know, influence and power at each stage. And like, it's hard to step away from that. Even, even if it's terrible for you, like it's still, you know, what you know and stepping into uncertainty feels risky. I agree. But uh, don't you think that this is not something that happened just in academia? I feel like uh, in my job right now that I, I work in a big company and and I, mm -hmm. I do prior, I do have to prioritize emails because uh, most of my emails are not something that I can just reply to. Usually they bring tasks and things that I have to investigate, research, and do some things that and then answer and 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 I feel like it's kind of. Uh, it's not the same, but there mm -hmm. is also some sort of prioritization, you know. I need to, to see which ones I can answer faster or not. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, again, I'm not saying that, yeah, I, I think this is going to be true in any career, that you have to prioritize things and shift around. and. But, you know, I guess in academia, too, I, I mean, I guess the thing that I struggle with in terms of, like, taking chances and taking risks and exploring the new career field is just is still far from unclear to me that all of this is going to pay off. Like, you know, people have told me many times like, wow, you do a lot of things outside of your day job. And I'm like, yes, I do. But I, I have no, I still don't have a good sense of confidence that any of those things actually count towards, you know, doing something else career wise necessarily. And like, I mean, it feels very risky. It feels very uncertain. The ground feels very soft, even though, you know, these are all things I enjoy doing. It's just, it's very hard to stand on that uncertainty. And like, I know people have other legs to stand on, like there's social and family and all that, but. And I wonder if some of the feelings of uncertainty is that academia has this very certain career path but also it has tenure. Yeah. Which is something that I don't think exists in any other sort of job. So the idea being that, yes, you have this period of uncertainty after you get a job in academia, like depending on how long the tenure clock is, like at my, or my former institution, it was recently extended to 10 years. Wow. Yeah, because wow. of NIH funding, like you have, you don't have to wait 10 years. Like, I think right. most people go up in the normal, like, five to seven-ish year range, but you have up to 10 years. And there's all sorts of controversy about whether or not that's actually, like, if you could go up after 10 years having as much as somebody who went up after, say, six or seven, mm -hmm. if that mm -hmm. would be, like, 
okay. Like it, it was recently, I think, and stated in the past like five or six years. So I don't think anybody's actually gone that far yet. But anyhow, like I digress. But you have that window where things are going to be uncertain and you know that. But after that, you're going to have a very certain solid path. So, in theory, yeah. In theory. Uh, yeah, except Well, I mean, like if you have tenure like after that, you can you can be Deadwood. But like if some of the uncertainty comes from this idea of, okay, now if I even find a job, well, that's even more uncertain than where I'm at now, if that makes sense. Right. The my, I guess the biggest fear I have, and, you know, like, I, I mean, maybe I'm okay pushing my comfort zone because I have been a lot this year. And so maybe I'm just exhausted from doing it. But yeah, and it's That's paid off. Thing. Like, it's not that it isn't, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, like I've gotten my work published in all sorts of different blogs and places because, you know, I've just been pushing myself to do so. But uh, I was going to say, like, like, I also don't want to feel like I'm a constant nomad, which I have felt like most of my yeah. life. And so, like, my concern would be, like, I guess the risk is that, you know, like, you hop from one job to another, to another, to another, to another. And it's another series of very short-term contracts. But Yeah, but the thing is, if, uh, if you real- once you realize that academia is not for you, uh, mm-hmm. if you do well you can just like ignore that and keep going or you can do something about it and and yes it's risk taking and it it may like we said a couple of, of episodes ago like your next job does is not probably not going to be your last job and that's okay mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's a process and and if it's going to pay off or not, what the future brings, it's it's tough to do. It's tough to say because uh, I believe that everything that you put energy into eventually will pay off one one way mm-hmm. or the other, uh, and 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 you have to kind of embrace it and. And, and keep going and I know it's tough it's tough to right. to don't know what's going to happen in a couple of months or and and but I think that you gotta be strong keep going Johnny Walker <laughs> yeah and there's something to be say said for I, I mean like you know like there's something to be said for occupying the you know whatever you what if you want to call it like permanent beginnership basically mm-hmm. where you're like you know you're always trying something newish or i mean even if you are doing something else that you are very good at and old hand with and have tons of experience with um there's something to be said for also constantly practicing something that you're new at right yeah um and so like i've been trying to work on that too a little bit even though it's been a little bit hard to find time to to explore some of those things lately and so, like, I think that's another thing where it's it can also be feel risky to take time to do that stuff. Like, you know, time away from lab, time away from experiments. Like, it feels like, oh, I'm collapsing one tent and hopefully inflating another one. Yeah, like something like you were talking about, like trying to like being in that state of beginnership or trying to learn new things and stuff. Like one of the things that I'm finding is risky is that 
I have learned a lot of things and I've been trying to implement them and I tell people like this is how you can improve whatever like your article Mm -hmm. or your manuscript or your post like depending on what I'm doing and putting that like putting that out there feels like a big risk to me so like even just like Mm -hmm. learning a bit and then sharing that with other people or telling them like this is what in my opinion this is what you should do feels a bit risky yep Uh, yeah as I've been editing more yes Mm -hmm. and like I mean even like in writing it feels that way every single time like but risky in a way that uh because you're sharing things or risky because uh of imposter syndrome that you're not that's not your best yeah like it can be both for me yeah yeah, it's a little bit of both i think some of it's imposter syndrome like i know that clady you were talking about how like the stuff that you're trying to like maintain anonymity like um like in your job like some of the stuff doesn't fall into the subject area that you like got your phd in or that you did your postdoc work in and like you know now you're sharing opinions or like telling people like like helping them make a decision on what to buy and that sort of thing like Mm -hmm. yeah for me putting like that like while i have been told i'm good at what i'm doing and i know that i have good training and stuff like putting that out there i'm always a little bit like who am i to tell you this (laughs) yeah although i know like what i'm like i don't want to make it sound like i'm you know incompetent or whatever but it's more of just like i felt this way even when i was doing my phd yeah no no i know exactly what you're doing you're what she's talking about right. and especially yes. yeah i mean especially with things like writing and editing i feel like it's it's very uh, yeah I, I mean i i had an information interview with an editor last a former editor last night and she's like yeah you know i mean it really helps to have somebody to train you to like point out all the things like and get really nitty-gritty into the grammar stuff and like yeah i mean that would be nice like because right now like you know i mean i know what sounds good because i'm a native english speaker who has written a lot of words um and don't under don't underestimate that the native speaker thing no yeah and i don't at at all I, i mean i yeah i really don't there's just some of the things where I would get uncertain and like, I, you know, I mean, I got out my strunk and white guide the other day to like look up something. And so, I mean, there's resources out there to consult if need be. Um, yeah. So anyway, I guess, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Taking risks is just something that, you know, you have to get over, I think. And, you know, even if it feels like I was just reading for this, you know, like the, Robert Frost poem, The Road Less Traveled, which mm-hmm. apparently, like many Frost poems, is one that people wildly misinterpret. <laughs> oh, yeah? Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, so the, uh, let me just put it like the obvious message is not the one that was necessarily intended by the author and not if you really read deeply into it. It's like, yeah, you have to make a decision and like it's on impulse that you might decide one path versus another. But ultimately, you're going to construct the narrative of how that went afterwards. Like, you know, no matter what, you'll construct a narrative that's more positive later on down the road, no matter which one you chose. And so ultimately, it doesn't really matter. What matters is making the decision. You know, and that, sorry, you were saying before, like, that you were 
this was probably a couple episodes ago, but you were talking about how like you talk to people and you ask them, you know, how did you get there, get to where right. they are now, and everything just sounds like very well thought out. And this is a very like obviously yes. I took this step and then that step, and but that's all probably like you were like with the poem, like that's a narrative. Right. It all seems very afterwards. magical, right. right? Right, exactly. And like people can't help but fill that in because you know people like I mean we are storytelling animals like that's really what probably distinguishes us more from anything any other creature on earth than anything else but but right so yeah so it's exactly and so like listening to and, and then there's also other things where it's you know hard to talk to people who are successful because you're also talking to people who are successful and that's biasing yourself towards you know those mm-hmm. who have made it and you're not you're missing all the people who didn't <laughs> um and so you know it's like well what we you know, talking to somebody who may not have made that same, like, try to make the transition but didn't for whatever reason, those might be valuable people to talk to as well. I actually never met any. That probably will be something nice to try to look for those people. Like, if there are some people that thought that academia was not for them, they tried to leave, and in the end they came back, or, or I don't know. Not even necessarily came back or like, I mean, I feel like maybe many of them ended up as adjuncts because that was, Mm -hmm. you know, like what was available to them or, you know, I I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, I I mean, it's very like, I mean, my lofty, lofty, lofty goal would be to be, you know, like to be Ed Yong or Brooke Borrell or, you know, Mm -hmm. be the famous science writer. (laughs) And of course, that doesn't happen overnight and that doesn't happen, you know, like and the likelihood that that's going to happen for me is remote, remote, remote. And so, you know, I'm obviously not going to just be like, yep, I'm going to be a science writer and that's the end of the story. And I'm just going to make that happen because it doesn't work that way. But like, I can take steps towards that for sure. I just can't, you know, collapse everything around it to like, just pursue that solely. I don't think at this point. Um, Yeah. So I think, yeah, so I, I think measuring this risk stuff is very, it, it's hard and it's very subjective and it, it just feels like, you know, uncertainty is hard for people and transitioning academics are in an uncertain time. I guess that's how I yes. would characterize it. But I feel it, like, uh, I don't know, if if when I was in this transition period, um if I knew exactly where I wanted to be and where I wanted to go, I think that this is brings more comfort than at least for me, whenever I was, okay, I need to, I'm going to find a job outside academia and I sit down on the computer and I open Indeed to search for jobs and I didn't even know what to type on the, on the search box. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. I was like neuroscience. And and then you. Yeah. You know. uh, Yeah. Like, what are you trying to. Yeah. No, I get it. And and then. Right. Articulating. It was tough. So I I think that in your case, I understand. And and I I agree. You're in the middle of this transition and and it's tough. But at least. I think that what you're trying to question yourself is, uh, am I right to be focusing on just this and working towards this? Mm -hmm. Or should I 
be taking another path. Right? Right. Because there is something to be said, like something that can, I mean, not to put words in your mouth, but like feeling like you're putting all your eggs in one basket. Like, okay, I'm done with academia, but now I'm going into this. And so I'm focusing all my efforts in on this. Well, what if it doesn't work out? Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah, I mean, the optimistic version of that is, you know, you shoot for the stars Mm -hmm. or you shoot for the moon and you still end up amongst the stars, which, yeah, okay. At the same time, like being a scientist, I will point out that launching yourself into space and missing the moon and and going to the stars means you're dead. But (laughs) anyway. I was actually thinking you have to like, if you miss the moon, you have to travel really far away to get to the stars. So I always thought like you should try to get to the stars and hope to land on the moon. Right, right. There's that too. Yes. Uh, We can deconstruct that metaphor all we want. There is an optimistic version of that to tell, right? Like, you know, you'll end up somewhere, you know, and it'll be someplace interesting. Or like, I mean, so if you go back, like, I'll suggest a resource that we can link to in the show notes. Go listen to Conan O'Brien's commencement speech at Dartmouth from, I think, 2011 or 2012. And, you know, he set out to be, you know, Johnny Carson or, you know, the Uber, like David Letterman, I think was his. He wanted to be David Letterman. And he's not because he's Conan O'Brien. And, but he was aiming for that, and he was aiming for The Tonight Show specifically, and, you know, he got it for a short time, but where he ended up is still pretty good. Like, he's still a very successful TV late-night host mm-hmm. and comedian. Um, so, yeah, so, like, I would suggest listening to that if you want some sort of inspiration about if you're feeling uncertain about career paths. I wanted to and, say something. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, in this risk-taking... Uh, my specific history was that uh, my grant, our grant ended and I started looking for non-academic jobs a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. And, and still, um, after it ended and I started to look for jobs like full-time because I didn't have a job. I was unemployed. Mm-hmm. Uh Mm-hmm. For a little bit. My uh, thing was, I'm going to look for jobs that I can use my PhD, that I feel like uh, they're more suitable for me. And I gave myself this timeline. And in my case, it was four months. Because it was mm-hmm. the, the time that uh, I was going to have the... Uh, still I had some remaining salary and and I don't know that was kind of like if I don't find anything in five in four months after that I'm going to uh, change you know I'm going to mm-hmm. either move to another city or uh, start looking for other different types of jobs because also I needed to eat I needed to pay my rent so right, right. Uh, right. that was also yep. part of the same package so I, I feel like that might uh, help you, I don't know if practically, but at least to give you some peace of mind that, mm-hmm. um, okay, I am going to invest the, in on that path and I'm going to put all my eggs on one basket until this. After that, I'm going to spend and, and then let's see what it happens. Yeah, like I'm doing something similar with 
um, doing the freelance editing. Um, I've got certain markers that I have set up along the way and I've got a certain timeline of about two years where like if I don't hit certain metrics at certain points then I'll reevaluate and see about trying to find a job like a like somebody like else employing me job. instead of me right. employing myself like because apparently mm -hmm. if I don't meet those metrics then that won't work but it gives me a little bit of comfort when I'm starting to freak out to say okay well I've gotten like in the past couple of weeks I've gotten like these number of hits and I've hit like I've got contracted with these number of clients and like that sort of thing so something that might help yeah yeah no it might um yeah no I mean I think that would like having metrics is good like I think and like that's part that I also have a hard time for some reason I have a hard time doing that like quantifying myself has always been a challenge or like setting out those kinds of metrics like I have some that I loosely try to follow but but yeah, no, I think those are excellent suggestions. And I think we can wrap up here. Um, if we have more to say about this, we can talk about it in future episodes. So uh, yeah, thanks everyone. And we'll see you next time on Recovering Academic Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Academic Podcast. Our music is from bensound.com under a Creative Commons license. You can find us on the web at recoveringacademic.net where you can contact us and subscribe to our newsletter. You can find all of us on Twitter. I'm at Lady Scientist. I'm at Dr. Underscore BMS. And I'm at IH Street. And don't forget, there is sunshine outside the ivory tower. <laughs> <laughs>